main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. This is the Eerie Americas. This is one of your hosts, Vicky Ayala. And this is your other host, Christy Hull. I'm sure you guys can hear a sound difference, and it's because we have new microphones. Well, let's go back. We had microphones somewhere be- prior to this. And then they both got messed up. We're not going to shout out thing. Actually, yeah, let's shout it out. Don't get a Blue Yeti. They suck. Both of ours crapped out at the same time, basically. And we've been living on of, out of our Mac speakers. Well, sometimes my microphone worked whenever it felt like it. But like in the middle of recording, Chrissy would be like, I can't hear you anymore. As the editor of the podcast, I just couldn't take not having the a microphone anymore. So I was like, this is a very early gift coming your way. And she's like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I'm like, no. I'm very annoying. I don't like surprises. And and I'm like bothering her. And she's like, I'm not telling you. I got the microphone yesterday. My birthday is June 9th. It is not even fair for you to call it an early birthday. Well, I knew you wouldn't just take it. That's the thing. Like Vicky, (laughs) I would would be like, what'd you pay for it? Just tell me what you paid for it. And I'd be like, no. So as the editor, if this microphone works better. It's supposed to help with the sounds that are us living in urban cities in an apartment trying to not record in a closet, which is what most people do. We try to just be ballsy and just be in our rooms like we have it. I'm also claustrophobic and literally cannot record in a closet. I have a Brooklyn closet. I One can't time fit I was in like, it. maybe we should try to go under a blanket. And she was like, no, I'm claustrophobic. I was like, under a blanket? <laughs> I was like, I'll die. Under a blanket. I'm, I'm claustrophobic and scared of the dark and leave me alone. Like, I can't. I can't do it. So we're going to give this a try. But to me, um, I listened a little bit earlier. It sounded great. So I'm excited for And I'm sorry listen, if it we, doesn't match the episode, but that'll be the last time that happens because we're finally caught up. Right. <laughs> we promise that starting next episode, all of the sound <laughs> will match. We're growing up, guys. We promise. So in addition to new microphones, we have another change. And we really hope that you guys won't be upset with us and that you'll continue to listen. The podcast is not ending. We're not done with you guys yet. You're not done with us either. But um, you guys know that I went back to school and I'm in a really, really difficult program due to like just a lot of stress with schedule conflicts. We have decided that instead of releasing weekly episodes, we would be doing biweekly episodes. So every other week, every other Wednesday. We're keeping it every other Wednesday. Wednesday. We're not changing days. It's still going to be every other Wednesday. It's just it, it was just getting to a point where it was stressing us out and it wasn't it was starting to feel like a chore and not be fun. And we always said that the whole point of this podcast was to have fun. And the minute we weren't having fun, we were going to end it and we didn't want to end it. So, you know, just please, please be patient with us. But at least until I'm done with school, yeah. I just I can't and it, do it. And I enjoy our, our wobbly episode because we recorded the other one previously. So you're going to the sounds are going to be hilariously different. And the episode is but about we being unlucky. You. We talked about that already. You don't have to say that. We put we yeah. put. I promise you it'll never happen. Again. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> this is the last time. But yeah, it's going to be hilarious. And it's going to it's the perfect way to end this um, weekly this, tragedy. This weekly. <laughs> But, you know, don't forget about us. We will still be releasing two episodes a month. And hey, if you want us to come back every week, have your friends listen more. Give us some reviews, you know, give us give us some fuel. Right. If, <laughs> right. If the, the more you guys listen. Yeah. Then we'll be able to maybe do this weekly. But in the meantime, I'm so sorry. You guys just have to let me finish school. She's got to save lives, people. OK.
I do. I have to like assist in surgeries and stuff. So, you know, I probably should focus on that and learning so I don't kill anybody and then wind up on my own podcast. But I promise you guys, it, it won't be that big of a deal. But uh, speaking of growing up, Christy recently took a construction class, which is awesome because, you know, there's not a lot of women in construction. And if there's going to be a woman in construction, I should definitely <laughs> be Christy because she has the balls to do it. And she's very like she's creative and she has the talent for it. Plus, she also don't take no shit. So she's definitely not going to take no shit from anybody in that business. She ain't say shit from no man or woman or anybody. Anybody comes at her. She's not going to take no, no shit. No human, no animal will give me shit. Um, she's putting her talents to use. Like she just told me about it. And I think it's super cool and that we should talk about it. I have a few more classes that I'm interested in taking so that I can actually build furniture. That would be something that I think would be ideal for me. I just decided to give it a shot recently because I'm home still. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just start repurposing? So I found a little rocking chair. It's tiny. It looks like it was in a nursery because it's white and blue. But for some reason, I was like, this chair can be funkier. And I don't design I'm like the stuff that I'm going to sell. I don't want to lo- fall in love with and want to keep. I actually want to like not be too super a thousand percent. Make furniture it. for other people, not yourself. So you don't wind up with furniture in every which is a big problem. Apartment. I've read with people that do this for a living and like try to flip and do flea markets. Yeah, they end up and loving so it. I'm trying to go a different route. But for some reason, I have these old vintage Star Wars sheets that I found. I want to say in the, right before the pandemic, it says in the back 19, I want to say like 97. So it's vintage now. But to me, it doesn't sound vintage, but now they're vintage. And I was like, I could reupholster that and then sand the white off of it because it's clearly been painted before. It's not regular like stained. It's white, you know, acrylic paint. So I have to do a ton of sanding and stuff. So it's going to take hours and hours of work. But in my mind, I have this idea of homage to the Wookiees. <laughs> and I have this really crazy acrylic copper color that I'm thinking about putting on the chair. So I'm going to sand it. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to reupholster Star Wars sheets around it. And I hope what I have in my head is going to even come out half as cool as I think it would be. Because I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Like I love the trilogy growing up. I know you're all thinking that Christy is just a secret Star Wars fan that had sheets since she was nine in her in her closet that were Star Wars. Respect the, the culture of it. I like it the way I would like any other movie. I'm not like a huge fan, but I have these sheets that other that people other would people be interested, would be interested in. I, don't, in. I haven't seen a Star Wars yeah. covered rock, rocking chair yet. If you have, let me know, because that would be cool. I could use some inspiration. But yeah, I don't know. Just giving it a shot, because why the hell not? You're also making a really cool wine rack. And you know you can sell a wine rack because everybody everybody's an alcoholic now after the pandemic. It's kind of like now we're in the 20s. I'm going to do an homage to the Roaring 20s. So it's going to be like a Roaring 20s. It's so funny when the when when right before the pandemic when we were going into 2020, we're like, ooh, the Roaring 20s. Everything's going to be so great. And then like, yeah, happened. But 100 years ago, it was way more the glamorous. The 20s. The 20s with like everybody was like happy and like out and dancing and drinking because they had just gone through their pandemic. So that's basically really what's about to happen. We're, you know, opening a bit more. New York's going to be fully open by July 1st. So it's going to be. Yeah, 1922 was the big year where things started picking up. So 22, I think, is going to be the same thing. I, I just hope the crash of 29 doesn't happen again because then that's just going to be too weird. <laughs> Let's con- please don't put that in the universe. You have and really not just bad that luck. too. It's like that would be the perfect ending, the start of the shittiest decade ever. So like I just I couldn't take that. Please, I don't want to live through another a crash one. Too. Yeah, we've already lived through one. We're good. So I know I don't. I'll, I'll post it if you guys show any interest at all. 
I'm gonna post it because I don't care if you guys show interest. I'm gonna show what my co-host made. But anyway, let's get this started. I found a story on Reddit because the other day I couldn't sleep. I don't drink coffee um, because caffeine triggers my anxiety. There are certain like drinks that I can have. If it's under 40 milligrams of caffeine, it doesn't drive me. It doesn't like give me anxiety. So there are a couple of things I get. And one of the things I get from Starbucks are like the refreshers, like the mango dragon fruit. So I got the mango dragon fruit lemonade the other day, but I like an idiot, like I, it takes me forever to drink something. So I got it at like two in the afternoon and I was still drinking it at like six. Like it just took me all night to drink a large one. And I drank it too close to bedtime and um, I could not sleep until three in the morning. So of course, what do I do? I go on Reddit and look at creepy shit and that stays with me. And then I have nightmares about. You and haunt so yourself to sleep. I, I base, I do. I literally scare myself to sleep. I wish I could say like, I just stumbled on this on this um, story, but I was literally looking at ghost stories. So I can't even say anything. And this one comes from Kenzie Baker. Hello, I am coming here to share my experience from my early childhood that I do not remember, but my mother and grandmother tell me this story like it was yesterday. My parents had me in their early 20s, and they ended up getting divorced when I was not even a year old. I often spent the night at my grandma's house, my mother's mom, since my mom had little money at the time. When I was about one and a half years old, I would come out of my room and tell everyone how there's a lady that used to stand over my crib at night and watch me sleep. Since I was so little, everyone thought I was making up stories. It was my imagination or I was dreaming. This continued on for months, if not a year. Every night I would tell my mom, Mom, the lady that stands over my crib at night said this and that, blah, blah, blah. One day, as my mom and grandma were looking through a photo book, they were just flipping through pages. She lands on a photo of my dad's mom. I pointed right to her and said, Mom, that's the lady that stands over my crib at night. I had never met her and she had died years before I was born. After that, I have experienced seeing my late relatives numerous times. I do not have a gift, nor do I consider myself able to see, communicate with the dead. I believe I have guardian angels that check up on me and I happen to catch them at the right hmm. time. It's really interesting that it's always family. Right, because if you had some sort of ability, you probably wouldn't only get your family members. But the fact that it's only her family members, I feel like she might be right. Like maybe it is just your guardian angels and you're just able to see them. Or maybe she has abilities and she just doesn't know them yet. That's true. Like she hasn't explored beyond what she because this person has seen. has seen if they identify someone as someone over their crib maybe to her maybe to her she's thinking this is how all humans look and she might not even realize she's seeing ghosts maybe she sees more right like just the fact that you can see your guardian angel might be your gift because maybe you know i believe well we just all because have you know who they over, are but... you can identify right doesn't mean your you don't grandmother have mother on your mom on your dad's side or whatever the case may be you can identify that but what about people that are walking on the street that are passing you know what i mean like right like how does she know that she's not just walking by ghosts every day and exactly because you can them. identify deceased family members but how do you identify the deceased you don't know something to think about right so i just thought that that was interesting just because it was a ghost story but it wasn't scary like i thought it was kind of sweet yeah, it is sweet and not yeah. scary at Reassuring. all i think so too but for all my family members who have moved on please don't watch me <laughs> while i sleep as we've mentioned before in this podcast we and vicky and i meaning we like to discuss luck <laughs> vicky and i always say we're not blessed with good fortune and currently we can't really measure luck like there's really it's something that isn't quantifiable but we all somehow know that that doesn't mean there aren't people who are lucky or unluckier than others. 
we all know that one person who always seems to get their way. And on the opposite end, we know the one who never catches a break. And that person can generally come to mind when you think of that lucky person. The polar opposite usually comes into mind. Then there are those who we don't really put into these equations that is luck. Those who somehow find themselves on both sides of the scale. Someone who is both lucky and unlucky at the same time. Sounds like an oxymoron, but there are a few who have managed it, and quite successfully, may I add. Here are just some (laughs) of the luckiest unlucky people, and each story may make you redefine (laughs) the word luck entirely. I'm already laughing because I feel like this is just going to be so The first case is about surviving not one, but two plane crashes, and being the only survivor in both. Holy shit! That No, that is the very definition of being lucky and unlucky at the this same time. This is the case for a young man named Austin Hatch. So in 2003, Austin was aboard a plane his father was piloting when it went down. And this unfortunately claimed the lives of his mother and two young siblings. Oh, that's He horrible. himself wasn't horribly injured, but the loss was obviously difficult for the young kid. That's really hard to bounce back from. Of course, you just from. lost most of your family. Austin managed to survive the wreck and grew up incredibly well, considering what he went through. Sadly, tragedy wasn't going to hit his family only once. And eight years after the first crash, he was involved in another. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was June of 2011. Austin was a passenger in a small plane his father once again was flying. No offense, but I would never get in another plane with my pops after the first time. Maybe that's I'm just sorry, me, though. Dad, like, maybe no. this is what he does for a living. Honestly, I wouldn't get in a plane that wasn't flown by a commercial pilot like ever like i was like no no i couldn't small find planes. whether his dad was a commercial pilot or not or whether this was just a hobby of his well maybe just like no small but planes even if he or... was a pilot if i was in a plane crash with a pilot and i managed to brave myself years later if let's just say i'm on delta airlines and that same pilot happened to be the my pilot i would not get on that plane let alone if it was my own father it's, it's like the same with anything else in life if you drove me somewhere and we got into a horrible accident, I would never get in a car with you again. So why would right. I get in and a plane? That's what, I mean, I understand you trust your parent. I get that. But it has nothing to do with trust. It was it's just, it would cause too much PTSD for me. Like I could not do it. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think I'd be able to So unfortunately that plane crashed and it resulted in the death of his father as well as his stepmother. So this time it took his dad and his new mom basically. Austin managed to survive again, though he did suffer a traumatic brain injury, a punctured lung, a broken collarbone, And this all led to a two-month-long coma. This is an oxymoron because it's like, he's lucky he survived. So unlucky. The likelihood of you getting into one plane crash is crazy. Two? And surviving the loss of his entire family and injuries. It nearly killed him, but it didn't destroy the now 26-year-old. And he's so young! He recovered and went on to play college basketball thanks to a scholarship he received at the University of of Michigan. He married his college sweetheart and also works as a public speaker, sharing his experiences with the world. So even though this stuff happened to him, he's such a positive person. Like I was reading an interview he did on The Athletic and he was talking about even though it's hard for him to talk about the trauma, he knows it helps motivate other people. And he's just so uplifted. You know, he's managed to survive it in this crazy upbeat way. But yeah, I don't I I can't two plane crashes in one lifetime and surviving both is just in unheard of you can't find a statistic for something like that because if you think about it his father was also in two plane crashes but he didn't 
survive the second one because to me I would just never think that you, like I'd be like all right if you're in another plane crash you're definitely not surviving it because maybe it's it's just not meant to be but like he was just meant to survive them both and that's just crazy to me and I really hope that he stops getting in small planes or planes altogether I don't think I'd be able to ever get on a plane at all I'd be like I'm ever. old schooling it I'm going from train to train send me on Amtrak because he's a public speaker so he has to travel still so it's crazy that he's brave enough to even do it honestly the next case is Roy Cleveland Sullivan, who was lucky enough to survive a title he gained known as the Human Lightning Rod. It's exactly what it sounds no. like. Mm-mm, mm-mm, Most mm-mm. of you that are active listeners know I am recently terrified of electricity. So knowing my <laughs> yes, luck, I would get what happens to most normal people outside of Roy here. Typically, most people don't survive being struck by lightning. A single bolt carries up to 100 million volts, peaking at around 20,000 amps which is more than enough to kill any living thing on the planet. And the odds of being struck by lightning in any given year are 1 in 500,000 or 0.00002%. So even if you are in a sea of lightning storms, the chances of you getting struck... You're still probably not getting struck. Which is funny that we know that it's such a low statistic, yet every time that there's a thunderstorm, I'm like, oh my God, I can't stand under a tree. And I'm like, I'm probably not going to get struck by lightning. And, and yet I still, still take somehow people have survived as well. But none have survived being struck by lightning as much as Roy Sullivan. Roy worked as a park ranger in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, USA, where he began his career in 1936. By 1942, he was on his way to becoming known as the human lightning rod for being hit by lightning, not once, not twice, not three times like you might be guessing, but seven times. No, at that point you're just conducting. Seven. You are lightning. You're conducting electricity. I would never. I would never fucking go outside again. I would just never go outside again. I've never been struck okay. by lightning, and I Keep barely go outside. Keep in mind what you just no. said, though. Mm-mm. Keep that in mind. To this day, Roy Sullivan holds the records of being hit by lightning more times than any other human being in history. So I got this from HistoryOfYesterday.com. Most of this, the most of this um, breakdown. Statistically, based on Roy's job as a park ranger, this made him considerably more exposed to storms than the average person. So, like, we can throw that out there, like, just to kind of give you the benefit of the doubt right. of how, okay, let, let's come at it with... Right, right. It's like most of us most probably of us don't come, ever get let's exposed come at it with to the it. Logic he's, like, of he's outdoors all the time. So it's possible that he's where he's at. And to boot, Virginia has a pretty high lightning rate, averaging 35 to 45 thunderstorms a year. So it's, you know, if you're outside... 360, you know, how many days do you work a year? 288 or whatever the hell it is. Then that's how, you know, the chances are higher than most people. Weirdly enough, according to Roy, there was a sole exception of his allegedly first encounter with a lightning bolt. All strike episodes were documented by the superintendent of Shenandoah National Park, R. Taylor Hoskins. So this is documented. This is not like oh, people wrote this on the internet and it became some kind of fictitious thing. There is actual proof based on his injuries and the fact that when people get injured at these jobs or other places, you have to record that kind of thing. So the details are as follows. The initial strike was actually, his initial strike was actually unregistered. So it happened sometime during his childhood. So this happened to him before. So they said seven times, but I think he got at least eight because according to him, Roy, as a young kid, was helping his father cut wheat in the grass field, like wheat in the fields, and a lightning bolt struck the blade of his scythe he was holding. Fortunately, little Roy escaped unharmed. Unsure what year this was, but he claims it was when he was really little. But the first documented strike was April of 1942. Roy was taking refuge, so roughly at this point he's 30 years old because he was born in 1912. So uh, he's about 30, the second 
the second time, but the first registered time he got first hit documented by and got it. Uh, Roy was taken. So the, and mind you, they don't count that first unregistered one because they don't have a record of it. So. Right. Right. Roy was taking refuge from a thunderstorm in a newly built fire lookout tower, which they have at the national parks. The structure, which didn't have a lightning rod, which helps prevent lightning from striking, has already been hit several times. So uh, which like it, it normally does, but it had been hit. So Roy decided to leave, afraid his life was in danger. Totally makes sense, especially if. Okay. Especially, Makes like, sense, when logical. I was a kid, I got electrocuted by, like, normal way, like an outlet or doing something. So, like, yeah, I that, that is a normal sensation. Being hit by lightning with a Sith would probably terrify you to no end the rest of your life, period. So you right. would want to avoid it as you become an adult. Ironically, though, for Roy, a bolt struck him right after he got off the tower. Leaving, yep, leaving no. severe burns all over his body, a knocked off big toenail, a bloody boot, and a hole in its sole. That's very specific and knocked yep. off a big toenail. Yep. Just the nail. Roy would always remember this as his absolute worst experience with lightning strikes. And like I said, yeah. So the and first he one said he was, was roughly 30 one. years okay. old. Well, according to my math. The second strike would come two decades later in July of 1969. Roy was driving a truck through a thunderstorm and a tree, a tree nearby was hit by lightning. Now, this is a little tricky, so you might have to listen in carefully. The bolt was redirected at another tree across the road in the exact moment he was driving by with both side windows open, knocking him unconscious and burning off most of his hair. So imagine. So one tree got redirected to another tree. He happens to be driving by with with his windows down. down. Oh, what are the fucking odds, though? The truck continued moving forward because think about it. His gas, his foot was on the gas pedal. He was right, driving. He, was he wasn't gas, expecting right. to get. So he could have, like, this could have resulted in just more than lightning strike. Well, he could have gotten into a really bad car. The so. car luckily stopped at the edge of a cliff where Roy most certainly would have, <gasps> have like, gone over. Mm, this is like a movie. This is a movie. Mm-hmm. This is a movie. Like, this is something you'd see well, in, like, a comedy. Well, it's funny you say that because this documented true story was later recreated in the 2008 film, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, in which... In, yes, in which the I character Mr. Dawes, played by Ted Manson, repeatedly claimed he had been hit by lightning seven times in his youth. So the guy that Benjamin Button originally was like in the retirement home with, remember that scene? He was. Right. They showed the different ways he was getting struck. That was based on what Roy says happened to him. So yeah, they literally inspired a movie. Real life inspired that insane. That is insane. But this, this is only is two at second. this point. Yes, he still got. Um, so, more. unfortunately for Roy, the third strike would come one year later in July of 1970. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, Roy's least unfortunate encounter with lightning occurred was this one, um, as he was standing in his front yard and a bolt hit a power transformer, bouncing back toward him. His only injury that time was a seared shoulder. Now, keep in mind, guys, this is now the third, keep in mind, this is the third time he's been struck by lightning. Most people don't survive the first one. And all he got was a seared shoulder the third time. So at this point, is it like, did his body learn to just accept these random bits of electric shock? How does somebody absorb that? I think, I honestly think at this point, maybe he was like, I, cause I remember seeing something that I was watching and the person had gotten struck by lightning and survived it. And they basically had an electric current through them all the time. So it's like, do you just attract it at that point? Cause you are electricity. So like at that point, it's like, Ooh, another electric you like it, it, you have to attract, attract it. Somehow. Yeah. Cause it, it's like, impossible. are you a walking, is this person, is it a moving target? 
target situation? Like, are you a moving target? Is that the only way that, that you can describe this at this point? Because what are the fucking chances? And the way he got struck the second time, like you said, it sounds like a movie. It doesn't. That one, that one's like, so that one's the most far-fetched. Cause like, okay, you That's the, tower, wait, wait, okay, the most far-fetched transfo- so far. So far, right? So, like, the first one doesn't seem far-fetched. It actually makes sense. The third one, okay, a transformer. Obviously, if it hits a transformer and you're there, it's going to hit you. But just happening to drive through two trees where lightning was redirected and you happen to have the windows down to me just sounds so, so fucking far talk about far-fetched. This one, the fourth strike, was sometime in the spring of 1972. So it's been a couple like while. Later. This is like This one, in my opinion, is the most strange. Because oh, Roy's fourth lightning strike what? was indoors. While he was working at the ranger station. No. 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 Who's ever experienced a lightning rod coming through indoors? No, you're just attracting it. So as gentle rain was falling, Roy suddenly heard a loud noise. A bolt entered the building through the window, setting his hair on fire for the second time in his life. Roy recalled the flames atop of his head being several inches tall. So that means like electrified and seeing the electricity going above his head as it was singeing his hair off. He immediately ran to the restroom, where he managed to put the fire out using soaked paper towels. The dude saved his own head. Crazy. So he was not only struck by lightning for a fourth time in a ridiculous way, he then had to Because his hair himself. was lit on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was the 70s. I imagine he had, like, a meme of some kind. Like, I just, I, in my head, that's just what oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, I totally, I totally pictured that, too. After this freak accident... Not that they all weren't, but come on, that's unheard of. Roy became convinced there was an unnatural force trying to kill him, and he developed an intense fear of death. Poor guy. It took him this whole time. I would have thought of that like the second time. I would have been like, no, I almost just fell off a cliff. Something is definitely chasing me. For sure. No, like it's a final destination. They just kept going back for him. He really is Devin Sawa, isn't he? He he is. He's like, you know what? Like, I'm not trying to sound like really mean, but maybe... Death, death definitely thought you were supposed to die the first time and it was just going to keep coming after you. I would just like surrender at some point and be like, all right, I've had enough. Whenever he was caught under rain while driving, he would pull over and lie on the front seat until the storm was over. That makes me feel so bad. And he still got struck more. I can't imagine that kind of existence. I would go move to the desert. I would just move to the desert at that point. I would move somewhere where there's no rain. But even in desert, you get lightning. So it's just like, are you even safe there? So now he's been struck five times? That was the fourth. Poor guy also started carrying a can of water around all the time should he ever catch fire again. Unfortunately, his paranoia would be justified because the fifth strike would be the following year in August of 73, where he would catch fire once again. While he was driving through the park, he made out storm clouds gathering in the distance. So he turned around and raced off in the opposite direction, which, hell yeah. Poor guy. I feel like he should just have someone follow him around playing like devastating music like every time you see dun 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 you know what and i i was thinking to myself researching this and i was like huh i wonder if faraday was around yet so i don't know if people know about like the faraday cage but there's a guy or science of course because believe science faraday created a cage where people with electromagnetic fields would actually absorb the shock in the cage. So they wouldn't, but they'd have to be in the cage all the time. So he just have to be in one all the time. Just a suit, like a, like a suit. 
The Faraday should have made him a suit to just like a suit cage, electromagnetic suitcase. This is what this man needs in his life. But the guy is really trying to avoid it. Like he's, it's not like he's just. He like, was really just trying to live like normal life. Like he wasn't even trying to do anything special. He's like, just let me go to work. So he raced off in the op- opposite direction. I'm sure triggered every time he sees clouds at this point. Like he's out. The clouds, however, somehow seem to be following him. I've told you, final destination shit. It's following him. Just when Roy thought he had lost the cloud. So keep in mind, he evaded this cloud as far as he knew. He he exited his truck. Boom. Once again, struck by lightning. He didn't even see the cloud. Because it's not the cloud following him. It's death. Like, it's it's death. It's following It's death him. or Zeus. Zeus has right? a personal like problem with him. you pissed off. You pissed off like a Greek god To top off this uh, uh, odd uh, cloud attack that seemed to be coming for Roy, this was the first time he remembered catching a glimpse of the bolt coming at him. So now it's just happening in slow motion. It's happening <laughs> so- in slow motion and he didn't even see the cloud. So it's literally just a, a lightning bolt that came down from him from a cloudless from sky. <laughs> Zeus indeed. This attack was pretty bad though because he suffered body burns and one of his shoes was knocked off which i have a picture of still conscious he crawled back to the truck retrieved the can of water putting out the fire on top of his head for a second time he's so lucky he had that can and it actually came to his benefit he's lucky he had that can but part of me is like if that happened to me can you at least knock me unconscious like why like he has to be like conscious aware of everything that's happening, saving his own life. Like, the least that this shit could do is knock him out. Lucky. As it turns out, this still wouldn't be the last time he would need that emergency H2O. It was June 1976 now, where a lightning bolt struck Roy for a sixth time, hitting him in the ankle as he was walking down the sawmill shelter trail at work. This location was about a mile from the site where he was hit the second time four years prior. A mile apart. You know how rare the chances are that lightning would hit the same area, let alone a mile apart? I don't know about as unlikely as lightning hitting the same area. And this time in the ankle, that's a real, like, like, it's like, boom. It's like going for him. This time it was giving giving him, like, a little, like, reprieve. It's like, I'm just going to zap you. But that little zap for Roy was the final final straw. He finally had it. it. He quit his job after 36 years of service. He was like, I'm done. Fuck this noise. And moved to Dooms, Virginia with his pat wife. Quick thing. Why would a guy with bad luck move to a place with the word doom in it? Like, why? Like, I, you might as well move to somewhere named hell. Like, I what swear, sometimes doing? people write their own horror stories and they don't even realize it. That's really what it is. I'm telling you, that's what it is. Roy, when he was there, decided to go in like OCD protection of himself, which is smart. He went the extra cautious mile and placed several trees around his new home with lightning rods going seven feet into the ground. Seven feet. We don't bury people that deep. That's how hard he was going in. Right. He wanted to make sure that shit was dead. Little did he know, his days of being terrorized by lightning weren't over just yet. Of course not, because he moved to Dooms, Virginia. The seventh and final strike was June of 1977, as Roy was fishing for trout. Yum, trout. I can't wait to fish out here. Anyway, Roy suddenly smelled sulfur, which is a, a new one. We hadn't heard that one. And felt the hairs in his arms bristle. So now at this point, he's electromagnetically connected to lightning. There's no other way to describe it. That's what I'm convinced. He is the lightning because that's the only thing that makes sense. A moment after that, a lightning bolt hit him on top of his head, setting his hair on fire for the third time in his life. Third time? I'm like, you have to be bald at this point. Well, every picture I could find of him, he's in his ranger's gear, so you don't really see 
that is had because, on. Because because he's had to he he's been on fire three times. So. Every official photo was for the Lightning Records, so that's what's available. Right. You don't see like him happy once ever. It's pretty sad. The final strike was the most devastating. He suffered burns in his chest and his digestive tract up to the stomach and hearing loss in one year. Oh, that's to make terrible. matters even worse, if that were possible, mid-recovery right. from the shock, he was attacked by a bear going after the trout he caught. It is very highly unlikely to get attacked by a bear, but then again, he got struck by lightning seven And times. this is just something as simple as trying to fish. Think about what you what average people do. Fish. This man's just trying to live an average normal man's life. And the, That's what I'm saying, like... He wasn't trying to do anything special. He was literally trying to, like, work and feed himself. And I'm not saying this ironically. Luckily, Roy somehow still had enough strength and courage, along with know-how from dealing with bears as a ranger. He managed to fight off the bear, hitting it square in the face with a tree branch, causing it to run away. So the dude just got struck by lightning, is fighting for his life, and still managed to keep his cool and fight off a bear. I think I would have just given up at you that You know, point. it's as sad as his life has been, I have to say, this guy sounds like a gangster to me. I'm going to give him a gangster star. He does. I'm just going to do it. Those were the seven strikes, but there was also a bonus strike. A bonus? <laughs> one for, is it one for good luck? It's had one for good luck. I hate to say it that way, but there's no other way to put it. A bonus strike. It was Sullivan's wife, Pat. Reportedly, Roy's wife was hang- was also struck by lightning once while she was hanging up clothes in the backyard with him. So maybe it just missed by accident and got his wife. Exactly, because he was actually standing next to her. He escaped unscathed, but something deep down tells me that was intended for him. No, that was absolutely for him. Why? <laughs> like, I can't. And if you think about it, he he remembers getting electrocuted as a kid and then Pat gets electrocuted. This is nine different circumstances in which he's been attacked. Nine. Told you, he's lightning. It's just so what those, it is. So uh, were the strikes, but aside from somehow surviving them, Roy Sullivan and endured loneliness and sadness, as most people avoided his company out of fear of being zapped. Of course. I, I'm sorry. I would, too. I would I would be like, dude, you, like, attract lightning. I wouldn't Especially hang out with you. Especially during the rainy season. People were just like, mm-mm. Right. It's just like, I'm just going to stay inside or take my umbrella It's reported else. that once he was walking with the chief park ranger, so, like, his boss, and they could hear a thunderstorm in the distance... That was enough for the chief to suddenly turn to him and just say, well, I'll see you later. Oh, my God. His own boss. His boss, who is like literally his job is to be there with him is like, I'm out. As mean and cold as this may seem, I can understand why people feared him. I can understand. Not to sound like I agree with people being ostracized for things they can't control, but this is how rare this is. I will give you stats right now. According to Wiki, a single lightning bolt can reach 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit which is roughly half the temperature of the sun's surface. And he got attacked seven times by this. For most humans, this heat can cause burn tissue, cause lung damage, painfully expand the chest by the force of the rapid air, the expansion of the heated air. According to the National Weather Service storm data, about 10% of people hit by lightning die, and 90% are left with various degrees of disabilities. Despite being struck, again, seven times, Roy's good luck was remarkable. You have to admit, as unlucky as he was, he was so fortunate. Well, technically, he was struck eight times, right? As a because kid, he remembered. the one as a kid wasn't, it just documented. wasn't documented. Right. And I don't think the one with his wife was either, like, officially declared. It's also, like, you have, a, like, a one in 500,000 chance of getting struck by lightning. So that's already, like, he's his odds are, like, in the millions that this would ever happen. 
Like, if it wasn't for the fact that it happened to him, I would say it and was And not impossible. only did he manage to survive, he never had to be taken to the ER. Think about that. Right. He like, got no you disability. disability. He continued to work and drive and be, like... Oh, but sadly, what didn't kill Roy Sullivan didn't make him stronger. On the morning of September 28th, 1983, he was found dead in his bed. He had shot himself in the head with his, with his shotgun for reasons that still spark debate. Some say he took his life due to unrequited love. Others speculate his wife, Pat, killed him. And most believe he was just tired of constantly looking over his shoulder for storm clouds and lightning. That's not a, that's not a way to live. I think I the mean? third one is what happened. Maybe he thought, like, I'm getting older and I'm not going to be able to save myself. So why even do that self, do that to me? And I guess he just wanted to be in control of the situation. It's very, very But sad. Roy Sullivan was 71 years old when he died. He lies in Edgewood Cemetery in Augusta County, Virginia. And his tombstone reads, we loved you, but God loved you more. And I'm not sure if that was supposed to be sarcastic or not. Right. It's like he loved you so much he kept trying to come and get yeah. you. Like, but if I'm ever in Augusta County, Virginia, I think I may pay him a visit. I, I would definitely pay him a visit. The final unlikely lucky case involves two family members, specifically two sisters named Anna and Helen. As we all know all too well, surviving a pandemic isn't easy, but it's possible. Most people never contract the disease if they take precautions. Still, getting infected can be deadly, especially if the pathogen is particularly nasty, like COVID-19 or the influenza strain A-H1N1 that devastated the world between 1918 and 1920. For those who may be unfamiliar, the world had a pandemic happen a century ago. According to Wiki, the 1918 influenza pandemic, also known as the Spanish flu, was an unusually deadly influenza pandemic caused by the H1N1 influenza A virus, Lasting from February 1918, really weird it was February too, to a- yeah, because that's basically when our to started, April yeah. 1920, which is a hundred years, the same year to the year wise, mm-hmm. it infected 500 million people. Very big chunk of the world at the time, especially <laughs> if you think about it. There's not, our population has like tripled, so it's crazy to think that is about a third of the world's population at the time in four successive waves. This is sounding eerily familiar. Two of those 500 million people who were infected managed to survive the virus. They were Anna Del Priori and her sister Helen, who were small children during the Spanish flu pandemic. Anna was roughly six when she contracted the virus, and her sister Helen was three. While they weren't the only people to survive that pandemic, they are among a very small community of people to survive two worldwide pandemics set more than a century apart. Anna and Helen are 105 and 107, respectively, when they were infected by, or were, were infected by COVID-19. At Brighton's Gardens Assisted Living Facility in Middleton, New Jersey, Anna Del Priori tested positive for the, no- the novel coronavirus in May of 2019. So this was still, remember, we were all still kind of figuring this out. Oh, last year. In oh, 2020. 2020, sorry. I said 2019, 2020. I'm thinking about the good old days. I don't really, it's like 2020 never happened. <laughs> When I say I last mean, year, I mean 2019. 60 miles and a couple of months apart this spring, Anna's younger sister, who was a hunt. So they weren't even in nope. the same place. So it's not like they can. Because so all the nursing right. homes got it. Okay. So yeah. Anna's yeah, younger much. sister, 104. I love that she's younger. 104, Helen Gazzoni, had fought the same worrisome battle. She contracted the coronavirus in March at her nursing home in Queens, New York. And she showed the same resilience. She was out of the woods within two weeks most young people don't even get out of it in two weeks. 
a woman in her hundreds, well, you can't even say 90s or 80s, in her hundreds managed to survive in two weeks. And now the sisters will celebrate their birthdays, which happens to be that? on the same who day. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Years apart. So they just were born like lucky because and both really are looking weird. forward to reuniting soon. I, I'm sure by now they got vaccinated. They need they need to like go hug like right now if they haven't. Yeah, and despite their age at the time of the infection, they both managed to beat the odds and survive. And explain how others might succeed in living as long as she and her sister. So if you guys want to live to 105 and 107 respectively, this is what she says: Be good to others, keep good friends, be honest, love God. And I eat lots of hot peppers. Oh, I, I yeah, eat me hot too. peppers. I love hot peppers. Maybe I'm good to go. I love hot peppers. So after reading these examples, I consider myself an optimist in most respects. I do believe even more strongly that there are variations of luck, especially what ju- we just went through. We are re-recording this episode and we did not do that on purpose. Not the whole episode, just the last 15 <laughs> minutes. Because you guys have no idea what it's taking for us to get this episode out. Christy and I recorded this entire episode and as she went to edit to release it, just the last like 15 minutes just decided to on my end just and guys honestly do me a favor make this the most listened to episode share this with your friends that don't listen to the podcast please make this worth it because because (laughs) the fact that this happened during the unlucky lucky people episode is just a little too coincidental it can't be please again there are variations of luck because we've got it better than some of these people and everyone handles it differently Compared to these stories, though, I feel like the luckiest person in the world, and that definitely says something. Yeah, because we both don't don't have great luck. Yeah, but it makes you also think like you're kind of fortunate. It kind of you know makes you change your perspective on what you consider unlucky. Losing your keys. Oh, I'm so unlucky. It's like no, there are people that have it so worse. That's what I'm gonna do. Like the next time something happens, and I'm like, fuck, why me? I'm gonna be like, you know what? At least I didn't get struck by lightning yes. seven times. Look at it that way. Okay, so I found this on UPI.com. Drivers stop on Chicago Highway to move lane blocking mattresses. Chicago's crazy. There's always something going on there. (laughs) So drivers on a Chicago Highway got out of their vehicles to move multiple mattresses that were blocking lanes of traffic. No, it wasn't just one. It It was multiple mattresses. The mattresses were spotted Wednesday morning in the inbound lanes of Interstate 290, the Eisenhower Expressway, and multiple vehicles were seen driving around the obstacles blocking the center lanes. A driver ended up stopping his car to start dragging the mattress to the other side of the road, and he was soon joined by two other drivers. The mattresses were moved to the left shoulder of the road. The origins of the road obstructions? Unclear. So nobody has any idea how the hell multiple mattresses wound up in the middle Someone of Someone was moving, lost their mattress, and just said, fuck it, keep driving. But it's three. It's three mattresses. So you lost all three of your mattresses and you didn't feel that shit come off your No, car? they saw it. They just didn't stop. That's exactly what happened. They were like, fuck it, keep going. They didn't want to take responsibility for that. You know what kind of it's like, obstruction I want, I, I of like possibly causing traffic? I'm pretty sure that's a major fine. What I think shows how humanity really is, is that most people just drove around it. And it's just like it took one guy being like, fine, fuck it. I'm going to move it myself. And then finally he was joined by two other people. But like everybody else was like, I'm not getting out. I'm just going to there's drive always got to be the hero first that steps up. There, always. It's one. It's the one person with good humanity that's like, I'm going to move this. I mean, and it was kind of dangerous considering the fact that people probably wouldn't see them moving the mattresses until they got yeah. up to that. 
but I appreciate the people who helped them because it probably got them off and they were just like, okay, we're just going to move this to the side and keep moving. But I'm just like, at first I was like, oh, this story isn't interesting. One mattress, it could fall off a car. When I read multiple mattresses, I'm like, multiple mattresses? Out of all things, mattresses? That shit is fucking huge. Or maybe it was like, I don't know, like an Amazon delivery driver truck. Or maybe that was like an actual like furniture place that Did just they let three of them new? fall off. Did it say it was like wrapped and packaged? it's like if you had mattresses you were throwing it was just okay. out it was so like it was a definitely mattress people moving. that just okay. came off your bed somebody moving something but I'm just like thinking like maybe if those people didn't notice can you imagine like you're moving and you finally get to your new house and you realize that all three of your mattresses are no that's longer that's a funnier your concept than seeing it and going fuck it I'll keep driving like where the fuck did my mattresses go <laughs> like I can't and mattresses aren't cheap and now you that have to buy three new ones that once with like, a body pillow when I was moving up from up south I went up 95 what happened to that pillow and to this day it haunts me so I can't even imagine a mattress or losing three or two it's it's, it's on a lonely highway somewhere oh, no. by itself just on it's the side compost. of the road the feathers are gone this was before the 2010s it's gone I'm imagining a family of three realizing that they have nothing to sleep on oh, when they get to sad. their new house I'm so sorry if that happens I'm envisioning three stoner roommates that's funnier to me it is funnier. I also hope it happens to people who at least have the means to rebuy three mattresses because that Hell shit could yeah. cost like over. By the time you get a new mattress, each a mattress could be like eight hundred bucks. That like, you could be looking at like twenty five hundred dollars trying to rebuy three mattresses. But if if not, they're they're on the Look side of the highway in Chicago. It. I have my moments. <laughs> I'm gonna go be really mean to Ryan now. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like, subscribe, but most Stay importantly. Word, America's.